who is going to win the Pac-12 conference, who is going to contend for a spot in the big dance, and what freshman will shine in the conference of champions. Find out next, coming up on NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome all. You're listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. My name is Leif Tulin. Rafael Barlow calls me the grinder because I watch more college basketball than just about anyone. And with no current college basketball to watch, my eyes are back on the college basketball scene to analyze rosters, watch film on new and returning players to give you the best insight on college basketball and prepare you for the NBA draft. I just wanted to thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On NBA Big Board is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On NBA Big Board, where the best way to help us grow to grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is, which team is going to go the deepest in the NCAA tournament from the Pac-12 this year? I'm very curious to hear your answer because I think there's going to be three popular answers. And then there's going to be some Homer fans that are going to take their team. But I think there are three very legitimate answers, and I'll get to that coming up next. In the first segment, I'll rank who I see as the top five teams in the Pac-12 and explain why, and maybe their ceilings as well. In the second segment, I'll discuss which players in the conference I project as draft picks and and or draftable players and tell you where I have them on a rough outline of a way too early big board and what I like about their respective games. And lastly, in the final segment, I'll pinpoint a few standouts who will earn accolades and give you my list of all Pac-12 honorees. Let's dive right in. The Pac-12 isn't the most well-regarded conference in in college basketball right now, and and I don't know if they deserve to be because college basketball this year is going to be phenomenal. And the Pac-12 has their group of talent, but I think the depth is in favor of some other conferences. But they should have a few teams that can compete to – to make a deep run in March and prime amongst them is the UCLA Bruins. Mick Cronin's men go in squarely as the favorites this year, in my opinion, as they did last year. But that was a little bit different because Tommy Lloyd was new. You didn't know what to expect from a new head coach taking over Arizona. But make no mistake, that Arizona roster was talent laden. And it was it was ex- exemplified by the fact that Benedict Matherin was the sixth pick. Galen Terry was the 18th pick. Christian Coloco, the 31st pick. And they still have lots of talent. But UCLA won't be surprised by Arizona being better than people anticipated. No one's going to be surprised by Tommy Lloyd being a phenomenal coach. He won the coach of the year last year. And Arizona and Oregon certainly have claims. But I'll tell you why I have UCLA as number one. UCLA retains Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez, who have both been all Pac-12 nominees. They've also made a Final Four and been a very large reason for making the Final Four when they lost in the thriller against Gonzaga. They were leaders on the team that that nearly dethroned a team that probably could have hoisted up another banner in North Carolina in the Sweet 16. UCLA had them on the ropes. Caleb Love went uh, ballistic. Uh, they also retained Jalen Clark and David Singleton, who are guys that have been at UCLA, been on Westwood's campus for a while, and are really primed to take new roles with Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard uh, departing. But I think a lot of the hype, especially around the NBA draft community, is, is focused in on Amari Bailey from Sierra Canyon and Adem Bona, um, who, who are highly regarded draft pick guys, and we're going to get to them in specific. But if you look at a team that brings back four players that have, were large contributors on two deep runs in March, 
And then they bring in a recruiting class that features Bailey, Bona, and Will Andrews, who is forgotten about. But Mick Cronin just recently said in an interview, he's the fastest player he's ever coached. And they, and I, I can, I always say this, you can never have too many guards, never have too many guards. And, uh, and I think the team with the best guards win. My, my prime example is the reason I picked Baylor to beat Gonzaga a few years ago, even when Gonzaga was regarded as one of the best teams in college basketball history at certain points that year was because Baylor's guards were better and they had more of them. Um, so UCLA is the, the top candidate to me, Tiger Campbell, is a 42% three-point shooter, but he's a, one of the best floor generals in the country. Jaime Hawkes, to me, is one of the best wings in the entire country. And uh, I think that Jaime Hawkes' health is the key for UCLA because he played in that UCLA-North Carolina game on a bad ankle and shot one for nine in that game in the second half, or maybe it was even 0 for nine. And they were four points away from winning that and had a very conceivable path to another Final Four. In, in the final four run they had, even though Jules Bernard, uh, excuse me, Johnny Juzang got most of the acclaim for being phenomenal in that. Jaime Hawkins shot 48% from three and around 50% from the field in their March Madness run. And, and now he's a senior. He's the man. I think he's the, the leader in the clubhouse for UCLA and will likely lead them deep into March this year. You know, Mick Cronin's teams will be tough and defend, and they already have those guys. So I've got UCLA Warren. At second, I think it becomes interesting. I've got Arizona, who have to replace a lot. They replaced Benedict Matherin, Christian Coloco, Dalen Terry, a few other players that, that people forget about. Justin Kyer took on a huge role taking over for Kirk Creaso when he was injured. Um, so they, they lose a lot, but they also have talent still in their stable. Uh, Kirk Creaso, Courtney Ramey, a transfer from Texas. Uh, are likely to be the backcourt. Pella Larson was a sixth man of the year in the Pac-12 last year, likely to take a big great, uh, big leap. Azulas Tubelas was all first team Pac-12 last year. And Omar Ballo took an enormous leap and played with Christian Coloco, showing off his chops as a perimeter defender. He'll be back to the interior. And he's been with Tommy Lloyd all the way from Gonzaga to Arizona. I think this is his time to really show what he's about and ball out. Uh, I do have a, a player that is not listed here. In fact, two of them that I think may be the best two prospects on this Arizona team. Yeah, I just don't see – I don't know how the minutes distribution will be, but that just speaks to their talent. Um, they they have this guy named Adama Ball from France, and he took – he came in for Benedict Matherin and Kirk Creesa at times, who are hard to replace, and he played very well, has a beautiful jump shot. He's got prototypical NBA size for a wing, uh, three and D to a T. I expect him to be an NBA prospect in this year, maybe the next. But uh, watch out for a huge leap from Adama Ball. And then Henri Visar or Henry Visar um, is ranked number 36 overall in the class of 2022. I watched him play. He's Estonian. I watched him play on the Estonian national team. And I was impressed by his versatility, his ability to defend, his, his fluidity, um, moving with, with and without the ball. And I think he may come off the bench behind Ballo and Tubelis, and he probably will. But I think he's the best uh, prospect on that team. And it maybe a year, maybe maybe two years, but I really expect him to have a instant impact on this team and really make them a contender. Um, there's a mass exodus of talent, but I expect Arizona to be a top four seed in March Madness and certainly one of the top three teams in the Pac-12. Oregon, they had a relatively down year. Dana Altman's known for success, getting his team ready to go in March. Oregon was not as good this year. Oregon retains an all-conference guard in Will Richardson and brings an elite talent in Kalel Ware, along with impactful transfers, Keyshawn Bartholomew, 
and Jermaine Cousinard, and they have Quincy Garrier. He was with Oregon last year, but transferred from Syracuse the year prior. And Quincy Garrier is about 12 points a game score. They also have Enfali Dante still. Altman has a talented bunch, and this team will go as far as shooting and the development of Kalel Ware takes them. Uh, Kalel Ware is, is widely regarded as one of the better players in this upcoming draft. He's taken off lately, and he's got a smooth shooting stroke. He's big. He's got potential to be a defensive beast. Um, I saw a comparison comparing him to Jared Allen. I saw another one talking about a, a kind of a stretch five. And, and you know, that's those are uh, very gracious comparisons. And I want to see the way he develops. Uh, the, Canada, the, uh, the Ducks are in Canada. And I forget which Canadian team they played, but Kalel Ware had a monster game. I saw a few people tweet, tweet it to me because I had said he's one of the prospects I have a few more questions about because I haven't seen him play as much good competition for as long of a period of time. And yes, it, it's sometimes people are lower on radars and are harder to find. And now he's firmly on everyone's radar, according to Tankathon, which is just a good baseline. He is the 11th prospect, um, 11th ranked prospect. And I'll get to where I have him ranked and some, some things I think he can work on and some things I think he excels at in the next segment. But first, let me tell you about USC. Andy Enfield has gotten good teams deep into March the last few years. They got ousted in the, by the Elite Eight making Miami uh, Hurricanes. But what's different about this year as opposed to the last couple? They had the Mobleys the past few years, and he also had Onyeka Kongwu before the Mobleys. That's a, like, that's a, a serious group of talent at a position, and they're set to not have that type of talent at that position. But what they do have is Drew Peterson, Boogie Ellis, and Reese Dixon Waters who are set to lead the Trojans back to the tournament. Reese Dixon Waters is a prime breakout candidate. I really expect him to be contending for an all pack 12 position, certainly an honorable mention. Uh, he played very well in the tournament against Miami, shot the ball well from the picture line. He's big, he's athletic. I could see him being an NBA player. And then at fifth, I have Arizona state talent has been in Tempe for years, but Bobby Hurley and Co need to turn it around. And, and this is a do or die year. For Bobby Hurley. Uh, incoming are Desmond and Devon Cambridge, one from Nevada. Uh, Desmond from Nevada, Devon from Auburn, who was uh, he, he was in a contributor on some good teams there. Um, they also bring in Frankie Collins, who shined in the NCAA tournament, replacing Devontae Jones from Michigan. Michigan made a deep run. Uh, and they also have Marcus Bagley already there. I, I think Bobby Hurley's got impetus to do very well, and I think he, the pressure's on. And they have the talent to do so. So that's my top five in the Pac-12. I'm very curious to interact with you guys. And you tell me who I'm missing there, who you think is going to go the first in the NCAA tournament, which, again, is the question on the YouTube. And I will be checking and maybe respond to a few of those. Um, and, and explain to me why as well. Um, in the second segment, I'll discuss which players in the conference project as draft picks and tell you where I have them in my rough outline of a way too early big board. And what I like about the respective games, what I have concerns about. But first, let me tell you about the importance of driving sober. You're hanging out with a, uh, a couple friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think for, uh, of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby and you can make it home. It's okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are really tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. 
So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back in. I'm Leif Tulin, your source for all things college basketball. And to get you ready for the draft, and there is some young and veteran talent that can make some noise in the Herald of 2023 NBA draft from the Pac-12, I'm going to tell you some players that I have and I will believe that I believe will be drafted early and, and later in the, in the round from the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, and tell you where I have them ranked in my roughly, uh, it's not a fully assembled big board at whatsoever because it's way too early. Um, but, but it's a loosely assembled version of a big board, and I'll give you ranges as to where I think these players can go, which I know is a slight bit of a cop-out considering we're called NBA Big Board, but bear with me. I'll have a big board published, and, and I'll let you know about it as the times come up and we start playing basketball, but it's hard to assemble it based off high school film for everyone. And that's what a large portion is, is, is they're freshmen, and that's the best one they got. So I'll start with a freshman. We've talked about him briefly, and that's Kalel Ware of Oregon, who headlines the, the prospects from the Pac-12, projected by most to be top 10. I have anywhere from 8 to 17. I'll need to see how he handles more physicality and more physically imposing bigs that he has to play against. And if his shot translates, which, which appears to be tr- projectable to the NBA, but I, I need to see if it is indeed projectable to the NBA at a college level rather than in facing inferior athletes and dominating. Um, he's, he's got a long wingspan. He's, he's athletic. He's skilled. And, and I'm starting to become more of a believer. I was initially a little skeptical, but, uh, but I, you know, I think he's the, the top prospect, at least from a talent standpoint in the Pac-12 conference, and there's not any lacking for talent in the Pac-12. Um, next, we have a trio of Bruins. Amari Bailey has unreal speed. We'll be playing the two guard uh, next to Tiger Campbell. But Mick Cronin has stated his passing while collapsing the defense has been elite, regardless of age. Um, and, and an experience as a freshman, and he'll likely be a top 25 selection in the NBA draft. Um, this largely depends on his, in terms of his ceiling, it, it largely depends on how well he shoots the ball because he, we know he can get downhill. We know he can pass according to Mick Cronin, which is really a big development because I had concerns. How much of a playmaker can he be? Will he just be a scoring guard? Cause they do have Tiger Campbell, um, they have a lot of talent. Will he will he try to hunt his own shots? Sometimes UCLA prospects don't have the largest production because their teams are typically veteran and well-coached to play slowly and, and play kind of a tournament-style basketball where they don't turn the ball over, they defend. Uh, but but I do I think this expels a few of my concerns. Um, and then next next for UCLA is Adem Bona. I, I didn't I neglected to mention him in the in the open uh, for talking about UCLA, and I probably should have. He, he's gonna play the big. And I think he's really going to be a monster that's going to start climbing up some draft boards. Um, all I hear about him is how much of an unbelievable athlete he is who dominates the game on the defensive glass with his athleticism. He also is a very good defender, not only rebounding. Um, and he's rapidly developing into an offensive threat, too. I think UCLA's uh, supporting staff has really developed him nicely. And he also played this summer in uh, in a uh, international competition and, and showed – that rapid improvement on a high level scale. And I really buy that when a player seems to have a lacking skill set and then they display it on a high level scale, I think it's translatable. And I think playing in college basketball, he may not have the same opportunities because he's on a really good team, but you can see the flashes. You see that already. NBA scouts, no doubt have taken note of it. And I think, I think he's really climbing up draft boards and I think he can go and he'll probably be a first round pick in my mind, but I think I can see him going as high as 15 because of Adem Bona's, 
rapidly rapid ascension is what I'd say. And then I also heard a quote that Mick Cronin recently said about a Dembona. He won't be in Westwood too long. So I expect Bona to be a first rounder. And, uh, and I feel fairly confident about that. Mick Cronin is not usually one to endorse players without warranting it. And then lastly, Jaime Hawkes has been a stalwart in Westwood for years. He's kind of played second fiddle to Johnny Juzang, but I think, honestly, he was the more impactful player the last few years. Um, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's a better defender. He scores in isolation uh, better than Juzang. Juzang is a better shooter. Um, but Hawkes needs to stay healthy and he needs to shoot the three well to kind of get himself from being more than just a scrappy. Maybe we'll take a late second round flyer on him because he's an older player who's experienced and knows how to play, but he's going to have to adapt to a different role type of thing. Um, so if he shoots well, I think he's firmly a mid second rounder to late second rounder from Arizona. I have a few players and I mentioned both of them, but neither of whom are projected widely to be starters. I wouldn't be surprised if either of them start by the end of the year though, because I am high on them. Adama Ball from France and Henry Vissar from Estonia. I believe a great deal in Ball um, and his shot. I think his shot is picture perfect. He's got the athleticism to boot. Um, and I, I just need to see him have the ball in his hands more frequently. And Henry Vissar, I talked about how he's versatile. He's big. He's fluid at a very young age. He's behind a few players that are established. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if neither of them come out this year. So maybe I'm wrong that they're in the heralded 2020, 2023 draft. But I do think their draft prospects and some of the better ones in the Pac-12 on very good teams. And we'll see how they shine with bright lights on them in the McHale Center and elsewhere where they travel. A player that wasn't mentioned because he is, I don't project his team to be in the top five of the Pac-12, but I wouldn't be shocked if they are, is Sanford's Harrison Ingram. He, did, he intrigues me due to his intelligence, his physical style of basketball, his ability to defend. He rebounds the ball in a very very high level, but he has to shoot far better and get quicker while maintaining what he uses to score. And that's his physical gifts. He typically is physical. He gets to spots. He pivots. He jump stops. He's very fundamentally sound and he's resourceful, but he needs to shoot better, especially from the catch and shoot. He, he plays the pseudo point guard for Stanford. Um, Isael Silva likely will, will take some of that responsibility from him, but that's what makes me intrigued about Ingram is sometimes you see players that play ball and you're like, that, that guy's a ball player. We can project him and, and play, play him because I, we believe in his ability to figure the answers out. We believe in his ability to, to score when we need it. We believe in the ability to defend and make the right play because he had to be thrust into a larger role that he won't play for us, but we, we've seen it at a higher level. Sometimes you take the specialist who's a great shooter and a, and a solid defender and you say, you're a three and D. Sometimes you take the player thrust into a bigger role. Sometimes both work. So that's a draft philosophy question, but I do think he's got a chance to be a mid-second rounder. Maybe could go higher, could go lower. Got to see how he shoots the ball. Another player that um, has Stanford ties is Oscar De Silva's little brother, Tristan De Silva, who could be primed to make a big leap with Jabari Walker going to the Blazers and shining in the summer league. Uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew going to Oregon and Elijah Parquet also left. Um, so that leaves a big void for scoring and touches. And Tristan De Silva seems like the guy who, who will be the heir apparent for Colorado under Tad Boyle, who seems to always have a good uh, under the radar NBA draft prospect. And I think he could be next. And I also think he could contend for some all some 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 uh, all conference honors, which we're going to get to shortly. But one more guy that we we haven't mentioned um, is Mohamed Gaye, who who briefly explored transferring from Washington State, but. He was the runner-up in the all uh, in the, the six man of the year. I think he was an all freshman 
uh, behind Harrison Ingram. He was the all freshman second place there as well. Muhammad Gaye, a really uh, athletic guy for Washington state that, that is raw, but I believe could, could have an impact for Washington state and be a high volume score for this team because they don't have that much returning. And if Gaye scores more, That'll intrigue scouts as well because of the sheer productivity can be alluring when the guy's got the athleticism that Gaye has. I mentioned that I talked about accolades and, and players for my all Pac-12 team, and I'll let you know who I believe will be recognized as all Pac-12 members in this upcoming year and propel themselves into draft recognition. But first, let me tell you about where you can make those bets to bet on your favorite players and where they, they could possibly be selected. And that's right. It's bet online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, and, and much, much more. The U.S. Open's coming up. I'm an avid tennis fan. I'll be placing bets on BetOnline for that. BetOnline is also your source for just any type of sporting wagering, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You can even live bet and watch the game on BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All righty, welcome back in to Locked on NBA Big Board. I'm Leif Tulin with you here, breaking down the Pac-12 conference and how I see it uh, impacting and influencing the NBA draft in the 2023 heralded class that's featured by all the names you know. But here are some players that are going to dominate in college and potentially make a name for themselves in by doing so uh, and make it to the NBA. So this is a primer for college basketball fans and NBA fans alike. I think the first team, the Pac-12 has 10 players, so I'm going to not give you five, but I'll give you a few honorable mentions for what I would say is a first team of five, and that'll they'll likely be first team because Pac-12 gives you 10. Uh, Will Richardson of Oregon is a returning all-conference guard. He's got a beautiful intermediate game. He's a big guard. He's also a veteran guard who I, I expect to, to really help this Oregon team, and he'll be the guy at the end of games. And if they want to be good, Will Richardson needs to be good. He also needs to be healthy, which has been another problem for Will Richardson. Uh, he'll occupy the point guard spot. Uh, the two guard, I'm going to go with Desmond Cambridge, transfer from Nevada. He scored 42% from three. He, he can really shoot the ball. He's got basketball scoring is in his DNA. He puts the ball in the hole. He drives the hoop. He can shoot. He can, he can get to the free throw line. And I think productivity meets uh, meets the the qualifications necessary to be a first team All Pac-12 member. And I think he elevates Arizona State from what I would consider them to be a dumpster fire in the past two years, especially considering the talent they've had on the roster. Um, and he'll be a first team All Pac-12. I've got Drew Peterson from USC. I think he was knocking on the door this past year. He became immensely valuable, especially when there were some injuries. Um, no Mobley this year. I think he's going to take on a larger playmaking role and be the guy at USC. Um, I also have Harrison Ingram as another forward. I think there's better guards and forwards than there are true bigs in this class. Uh, or not, excuse me, not this class, but in this conference. I've got Harrison Ingram, who I expect to have about a 15.7 rebounds, four assists type of year for Stanford and, and help them be a, a close to tournament team. I think they'll be on the bubble, and I think the – Harrison Ingram and Spencer Jones really will have to carry this team. And I think Ingram is going to have to be efficient to do so. 
Um, and, and he could score more, but I think the way Stanford wins is him being efficient and uh, facilitating a little bit more and being a, an improved defender. I have at the big spot, I'm very torn here. There's four bigs for one spot if I were to start. So I'll give you all four, but I'll tell you, I'll choose one at the end. Kalel Ware, we've talked about him as being a potentially potential lottery pick. I talked about Adem Bona cracking the, the first round. Um, Brandon Carlson at Utah has been productive the past few years, and he's also older. Uh, he's he's 23 years old. He's going to be returning as a, a incumbent All Pac 12 member who was one recognized last year. I think he was second team, and so those are three that that really intrigue me. And then Azulas Tubelas was an All First Team member, but I feel like people are forgetting about him, myself included, because he didn't play much in the NCAA tournament. And he and uh, Omar Bala played more, so I'm a little hesitant to say, oh, well, he's going to score at the same rate. But that said, they lost so much production, maybe he will. If I had to choose, I'll take Kalel Ware to be the number five. And the reason is I, I think he has the most opportunity to get the ball most frequently and put up points and rebounds, which are the most recognized by all statistics. And, and, and the people watching will likely have that stick out to them. As for defensive player of the year, which I think is an intriguing race, and it boils down for me, but to Bona, Ware, and Brandon Carlson, I'm going to take Adem Bona. I think the defensive activity is alarming. He's got a 7-4 wingspan. You watch him in international play against grown men, and he, he really stands out. Um, he, he played in Turkey recently, and I, I, watched, I watch him rebound the ball with tenacity. That's, that's, that's hard to teach, and he's so impactful off and on the ball, and I think he's switchable. He fits the modern mold for NBA draft people that, that you want the switchability. Um, he can do that. He can impact it at the rim. Uh, Carlson is going to have a lot of blocks, as will uh, Kalel Ware. But, I, but I'm going to go with Adem Bona. And the freshman player of the year boils down to the three most touted. And that's not a particularly riveting answer. I apologize. Adem Bona, Kalel Ware, and Amari Bailey will battle for this honor. And I'm curious to see who it'll be. I would lean towards Kalel Ware. Um, though I will say, they have a lot of mouths to feed at Oregon. And, and maybe the production for a guy like Amari Bailey, who may get the ball more frequently, though UCLA certainly has malice to feed as well, could, could have the favor because I think adapting early is easier for a guard than a big. But, you know, time will tell. And I'm very curious to see what you guys think about that as well, if you want to leave that in the comments. But I, and, and uh, as always, I wanted to thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Word your first listen every day. It means, it means a lot to myself, Richard, Raphael, Sam, that you guys listen to us, especially – in the summer when there's no basketball being played, but my, we're working hard to provide you guys content. I'm watching film constantly. And recently I've been watching as late as 2014 games, just to give myself some kind of comparisons, things to watch for and, and see, well, this player did this in the NBA. Well, can this player who I see as similar take some of these traits and, and amplify them, become a better player? Can they, can they avoid some of these pitfalls? You know, everyone's doing that type of stuff. So it means a lot that you're listening to us. And for your second listen, get up to date on the latest rumors, uh, news in the NBA and just 30 minutes every day with Locked on NBA. Locked on NBA Day, NBA Today, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Well, thank you. And, and please leave comments in the in the comment section. Listen on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. I'm Leave Tulane. I can't wait to hear from you guys again. I'll be back soon. Let me know what you think.